Well, are you ready for the word today? Amen. How about the rest of y'all? Y'all good? Come on, you ready for the word today? Amen. We've been in a series called Summer Breeze. We've been talking about uh, times of refreshing coming from the Lord. And uh, I think the first uh, few few weeks of this series kind of took some people uh, off, off, guard, off guard a little bit because we talked a lot about repentance. And like, well, I thought this was going to be about refreshing. <laughs> repentance is what brings refreshing. Acts chapter 3 and 19 uh, says this has been our text uh, throughout this series. Acts 3 and 19, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. We talked the first two weeks about repenting and returning, that it's not enough for us just to repent from something. We have to turn to something. Not just repenting from a a sin or a bad deed, but actually to turn to God, to lean in to him. And last week, I, I spent some time talking about, matter of fact, I didn't even get through my whole message last week because I spent some time talking about what it means to return. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down, or maybe you took notes last week and you want to write this down again. Returning to him means making him our priority. He is first in our life. Matthew 6 and 33 says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Everybody say first. Priority means first. Put it first. I've learned that if I want to do anything in my life, if I will put it first, not on just importance, but also in my day. So when I get up in the morning, one of the first things my wife and I do after we get our coffee is we go sit down in our chairs. We have side-by-side chairs. They're not, we don't call them rockers because we're not that old yet, okay? (laughs) They're gliders, and they swivel, and we'll sit there, or sometimes I'll sit in mine, and she sits there on the floor where she has all of her devotional stuff, and we, ha- we have our time in the Word and with the Lord before we do anything else, and I would encourage you to do the same thing. Find that time, and maybe some of you are a night owl, but I found out that if I will do it the first thing, that's my way of telling him, you're my priority. This is why we come to church on Sunday as well. First day of the week, you're my priority. This is why when we talk about giving of our tithes and our offerings, we bring that offering to the storehouse, the Bible says. And when you put him first, then you're letting him know everything else. I know it all came from you anyway, but everything everything I get and everything that I spend now has the filter of he is first in my life. Right. Yeah. Amen? Amen? I knew he was going to talk on money at some point, right? <laughs> Priority, putting him first in our life. And the second thing that, that, that making him first is, is not just our priority, but also our passion. Yeah. Not only is he first in my life, I'm passionate for him. As we sang a moment ago, I'm desperate for you. I long for you. Returning to him means restoring our passion again. That passion that 
we have. Remember, I talked a little bit ago yesterday, last week. I talked a little bit last week about the fact that when you, when you first fell in love, you treated them differently, right? You know we did, whether it was your car or your lady. And I told the story last week about, about me driving from Mississippi all the way to Oklahoma and bringing my wife a potted plant. That's how much I loved her. That passion. Remember the passion that you had when you first came to the Lord? When you first realized that he died for your sins? Remember that passion? The passion when you when you found a home church, the passion when you got connected, I believe God wants us to return back to that, a restoration of our passion for him. He said this in in Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. He said, love the Lord your God with all. Everybody say all. All. You know what that means, right? 100%. All of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. He included every one of them, and every one of them he started with all. What does that mean? That means passion. You'll see it as as you see our branding. You'll see loving, giving, and living. Loving passionately, giving generously, living abundantly. I don't believe it's enough for us just to love. I believe we need to love passionately. That when we sing a song like, I'm desperate for you, I'm, I'm longing for you, that it, it comes out of us. I want to stir up our passion again today. I, I prayed that this week, that Lord, stir up our passion for you and, and for your, your presence. Psalms chapter 42 says this, Psalms 42 and 1, as the deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for you, for the living God. Psalm 63 and 1, you are God. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. David was saying, I'm desperate for you. Like the land that seeks after water, or the deer that goes to the to the brook, and it was it was this scripture that really spurred me to write a song years ago called "Thirst for You." That CC uh, C. Winans ended up recording that song, and that record went went platinum. And somebody asked one time, they said, "How does it feel to write a song for CC C. Winans?" And I said, "I didn't write that for her." I wrote that for me and him because I was hungry for him. I was longing for him. Yes, I'm thankful she recorded it. Thank God. Bought me a house. (laughs) But that's not why. That's not why I wrote it. I wrote it because my heart was just like David. I'm longing for you. I long for your presence. There is nothing that can take the place of the presence of God. Nothing. And when you feel it and when you sense it, when you experience it, you're going to know it. People say, well, how will I know? Oh, you're going to know. You will know beyond a shadow of a doubt. A a passion for his presence. Not just to come to church because we got good coffee and we got beautiful artwork outside, which 
We do, and I'm thankful for it. But I want us to come to church because we want to experience the presence of God. A passion for his church, too. The body of Christ. Let me talk about that for just a moment. The Bible, the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as some do, especially as the end approaches. And I've found now that so many folks just don't make coming to church a priority. And I believe that COVID did a lot of that because people just got used to not going to church. And honestly, we made online a really good experience where it used to not be a good experience. And now it's just easier to stay at home. And I'm thankful for all of you that are watching. I'm glad that, that we're able to provide that for you. But there's something about being in the presence of God with God's people. There's something about it. So when you can get here, come on. We got room for you. I've heard some folks say, I love Jesus, but I don't like church. Well, you really can't separate the two because this is his body. His body. And I know there's some of you that have been hurt by church, you say. No, you weren't hurt by church. You were hurt by people. The church didn't know some dumb person did that to you, okay? Two or three people did that to you. That was not church. And I, I feel like I have to say this every, every so often just to, re, to remind us the church is not a bad thing. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. Right. And yes, I understand that, that, that you've been hurt by people, but you know, if you go to Starbucks and order a coffee and they get it wrong, you don't quit going to Starbucks. <laughs> you can go find another one, right? Right, right across the road. I just don't understand why people, well, I'm just not going back to church because church did this to me. No, you've got to give it another chance. Give the church a chance. And, and uh, some folks, I hear people say, well, I'm just done with church. Well, you've got to be careful with that because that is the apple of his eye. Jesus died for the church. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to hear this message today. Jesus died for the church. The church is the apple of his eye, and he wants us to have a passion for his people. I want to be around you. I want to be with you. I can't wait to see you guys every Sunday. That, that's what he wants us to have, and a passion not for his people, but also a passion for his house. That's one reason I love that we did the video of the outside. Mackenzie, great job, by the way. You were born to be on a screen. Tyler, I don't know how you did it, buddy. <laughs> the favor of the Lord, that's what it is, my friend. I, I love that, I love that, we, that we, we've made this place a beautiful place. Our banker, when we were getting ready to build it, he said, John, please, whatever you do, you and Kristen are, are so creative and you're so artistic. Please don't build something that you're going to hate going to. Right. And so that's why today I gave some of the ladies a tour of the men's restroom. We were standing out in the lobby, and, and we were talking about the restrooms. One, one of the ladies was saying, oh, the restrooms are so beautiful. And I said, well, have you ever seen the men's restroom? No, I haven't seen the men's. How many ladies have never seen the men's restroom? All right, after church, I'm going to take y'all on a tour. 
It's beautiful. And so it was funny because I said, well, come see it. I'm the pastor. We can get in there. And I took a couple of the ladies into the restaurant. Why, why do we do that? Why do we want the restrooms nice? Why do we want our coffee good? Why do we want? Because God's house is important. His house is important. I read something. I read something this week from Theos University. And it, it goes like this. It says, the first and primary role of the church is to worship God. And buildings facilitate corporate adoration. When you and I come together, and there's something about us worshiping together that you can't do on your own. That's why David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. There are places that you can go with the Lord by yourself that you can't with a crowd. But there's places that you cannot go by yourself without being in a crowd. There's something about when I hear someone singing beside me and I hear them singing the same words that I'm singing, knowing that I've gone through some stuff this week and that they must have gone through some stuff this week. There's something powerful about that, about being in God's house, the house of God. Psalms, Psalm 69 and 9 says this, a passion for your house has consumed me. Consumed with a passion for God's house, his heart. I, I want the things that he wants. I want to love the things that he loves, and God loves his house. Now turn to your second favorite neighbor and say he's preaching to you about me now. First Peter 2 and 5 says this, You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. This is what we do when we come to God's house. We come as a spiritual priesthood, and we offer up these sacrifices to him And aren't you thankful that he accepts our sacrifice? Amen. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent and return so that. Once you've repented and once we've are returning to him, then our sins are wiped out. Wiped out. Do you understand that? Yeah. Not, just, not just pushed down the road, not just under a rug, right? They used to, they used to bring a sacrifice once a year, and the priest, the Levitical priest, would offer a sacrifice for Israel and that would push the sins down the road for a one year. Didn't wipe them away, just pushed them down the road. But then Jesus Christ came and gave his blood, shed his blood so that our sins could be wiped away. Again, not covered up, wiped away. That means they are gone. Say that with me. My sins are gone. I think, can we get hold of that? 
I think if we could grab hold of that, we would live life a little more passionately. Amen? There would be more of a, our sins are gone. Every sin that you've ever committed or ever will commit has already been wiped away by faith in Jesus Christ. Some folks have, have said that God throws our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, but that is actually not a scripture. Did you know that? That's not in the Bible. It's been quoted and the Bible says, no, it's not in there. But the, the, the point of it is when people are mentioning the sea of forgiveness, they're usually referring to several passages that talk about God's forgiveness and how when we are justified through Christ that God forgets our sins so completely that they may as well be buried at the bottom of the ocean. The main passage that contains this idea of the sea of forgiveness is Micah 7 and 19 says this, once again, you will have compassion on us. You will trample our sins under your feet and throw them into the depths of the ocean. That's what he does to our sins. He tramples them under his feet and throws them in the depths of the ocean. David said it like this. David said, he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And you know, that's not just New York to California. Do you know that? Sometimes when we say east and west, we kind of put it in these parameters. No, east, the line is infinite. It goes on forever and ever and ever. And that's how far he has thrown your sins. God's got a really good arm. He has thrown your sins that far, a never-ending and that's what, that's what I want you and I to receive, that revelation, that repenting and returning, that's why it brings about refreshing. Right. To understand my sins have been thrown that far. Joel, Joel says this in Joel 2, don't tear your clothing in grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not punish. Man, isn't that a different mentality than some of us had about God? We think he's just ready to punish, but he knows he's eager to relent, and he does not want to punish. Isaiah 55 and 7 Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. Generous forgiveness. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Repent and return is what brings refreshing. I don't know about you, but my life can get stale real quick. It can get crusty real quick. And that's why it's important for us to find a place of repentance and find a time to return back to him. I love what Hosea says. Hosea says, come Let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. 
He has injured us. Now he will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we can live in his presence. He's speaking to Israel here. Oh, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. Watch this. And he will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in the early spring. Times of refreshing. I want that for you. Sean, would you come join me, please? I want that for each and every one of us to find that time of refreshing in our life. As I prayed this week, I pray over, I pray over each of you, even if I don't see your face. I, I, as I pray, I'll go through and I'll, 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 I'll try to highlight certain people. And the Lord really highlighted a few folks to me this week, and you're here today. And the Lord wants you to know that he wants to refresh you. He wants to refresh you. He doesn't want you to feel like you got to do this on your own. You hear me? That's just what the enemy would love. He would love to isolate you and make you think that no one cares about you, that no one could ever understand what you're going through. I can tell you right now, my brother, my brother passed away of leukemia. it's been over 13 years now. And um, as he was battling through the cancer and the chemo, he always had this amazing way of just keeping things positive. And he said, he tweeted this out. He said, I think if we all took our troubles and put them all in a pile, when we saw everybody else's, we'd run get ours back real quick. I can tell you in this room right now are people that have have walked through hell and torment. People that are right now going through it. And I just want you to know that you're not alone. You're not alone. He cares for you. And he wants you to be refreshed. And so that's why he asked us to repent and to return to him. I want to pray for you today. Just close your eyes. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your compassion. Thank you, Lord, that you never stop reaching for us. You never, you never relent in your grace and your kindness. I thank you for that. As we sang a moment ago, your mercy endures forever. Your grace never stops. And so, Father, I'm praying for that person in this room right now that feels like they've gone too far, done too much. Lord, I pray today they would feel your love. Someone watching online. But God, they would feel your hand reaching out for them, caring for them that person that feels isolated today, feel like that you're the only one 
walking through the torment and the torture and the stress and the depression. God, I pray they would know that they're not, they're not alone. And all you're asking is for us to turn back to you. And your word says, as you draw close to us, you will draw, as, as we draw close to you, you will draw close to us. So what I'm praying today, that person that will make that first step, just a step, and watch, watch mercy come running your way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You open your eyes and, and look at me. A moment ago, I quoted our culture points, loving, giving, and living. Another one of our culture points is next steps. What is my next step? Now that I have this revelation, now that I've heard the word, what is my next step? What does God want me to do? And I want to ask you today, what is your next step? What is that, that thing that God is asking you to do? What is it? Is it something you can make a commitment to today? Say, okay, Lord, I'm going to commit to that. Just let the Holy Spirit speak to you right now. What is, the, what is it that the Holy Spirit is, is asking you to do today? And for some of you, I'm believing that your next step is going to be the biggest step you'll ever make by making the Lord Jesus, your Lord. Not just the Lord, your Lord. Everybody say, my Lord. He said this, he said, if you will, if you will confess with your mouth and you will believe it in your heart that you will be saved. It's that simple. Putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Are there other steps after that? Yes, there are other steps. But this is the first one and the most important one. I would love to lead you in that prayer today. Would you just pray it with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace and your compassion. Today I confess that I am not enough on my own. I need you. I desire you. I'm desperate for you today, Lord. I want you to cover me with your grace and your mercy that never ends. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to live with you forever. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody say amen. Come on, Hills family. Let's celebrate with these folks that just prayed this prayer.